Welcome to the Monterey Podcast. For more information, check out our website at montereychurch.com. Well, let me also welcome you on this Mother's Day 2021. I want to begin by offering a prayer of blessing over the moms who are with us in this room or who are joining us online. And as I pray, I recognize there are so many emotions that are wrapped into Mother's Day. Uh, Many of you, like me, have lost your mom to death. We are so incredibly grateful for the influence they've had in our lives. Likewise, there are uh, parents and grandparents, mothers and grandmothers who have lost children or grandchildren, and we grieve with you. We celebrate with moms who have given birth to children. You know all of the emotions uh, that are wrapped into that journey. Likewise, there are a number of families at Monterey who have fostered and adopted children. There are single moms, and we pray blessings upon all of you this morning. And then there are also those who long to be mothers, but who struggle with infertility. So for all of those different pieces, let's pray together and offer our thanksgivings and our requests to God. Uh, Father, we celebrate so many things about who you are, but above all today that you are God of relationship. Uh, We often talk about you as our Father, but we also know there are so many places in Scripture where the love you have for us is described as the love a mother has for her children. And so today, for all of the women who are part of our lives Uh, moms, grandmothers, those who have stepped in to play the role of moms in our lives, uh, we are grateful and we pray blessings. And for all of those who are walking through challenges or valleys in their lives when it comes uh, to motherhood, uh, we pray blessings especially. Above all, God, help us to celebrate what it means to share life with each other. And so may we walk alongside each other May we bless and encourage one another. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're continuing a series today that we began the Sunday after Easter Sunday that we have titled The Rest of the Story. The most significant story that we can ever tell is the story of Jesus, his life, death, burial, and resurrection. But we also recognize that the resurrection of Jesus is not the end of the story. In many respects, it is the beginning of the story. The resurrection is a guarantee that Jesus will come again, but the resurrection is also a guarantee of God's presence in our lives right now. Uh, The presence of the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our future, but also bringing us incredible hope right now. Those moments that are mountaintop experiences and those moments that are valleys, that are potholes in the journey. As we have shared throughout this story, we recognize that God is still present and God is still at work. No matter what chapter of the story we may be be looking at, it is a recognition that there is another chapter. There is the rest of the story. We've been talking about episodes in the life of the Apostle Peter, but today on Mother's Day, I want us to think briefly about the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus, significant moments in her life, but even beyond that, uh, to try to grab hold of, to ponder the kind of emotions that Mary as the mother of Jesus would have had. And so I'm primarily going to read several texts and just ask you to join me in pondering 
what those emotions would have been. Let me begin with Luke chapter 1, where the angel makes the prediction to Mary that she's going to have a child. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Zechariah and Elizabeth, who became the parents of John the Baptist, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be born will be called, listen, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month for no word from God will ever fail. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. I wish we had time to talk about everything wrapped into a Jewish marriage, a Jewish wedding, all of the arrangements between the families, the engagement, the betrothal period. But I would especially remind you this morning of two things regarding Mary. One is she's a young woman, likely no more than 14 or 15 years of age. And secondly, she is a virgin, her commitment to purity, her commitment to holiness. And then the incredible words that the angel speaks to her, you will conceive, you will give birth to a son, you're to name him Jesus, he'll be called the son of the most high. Can you imagine the emotions that Mary would have felt? The questions, how can this be since I am a virgin? And then ultimately the joy and the humility Like all Jews, Mary would have grown up in a family where anticipation of the coming Messiah existed, and now she has been told she's going to give birth to the Messiah. And so the joy and the humility, may your words to me be fulfilled. I am the Lord's servant. As a father, and I realize I only touch the hem of the garment when I say these words. As a father, I still remember the excitement that I had when Debbie and I learned that she was pregnant with our first child, and the excitement when we, were, when we learned she was pregnant with our second child, and then, in our th- uh, and then our third child. But there is no way for me to imagine, to understand the emotions that a mother has, the joy, the questions, the anxiety, and I suspect Mary had all of those. Fast forward just a bit, Mary, after hearing those words from the angel, Mary leaves and goes to a town out in the rural area where Elizabeth lived. When Elizabeth heard Mary entering the house, when she heard Mary's greeting, the text says that the baby in her womb leaped, leaped for joy. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and in a loud voice exclaimed to Mary, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. Again, can you imagine Mary's emotions at the words Elizabeth speaks? Fast forward again, Jesus is born 
And when the time came for the purification rites that were prescribed by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary go to the temple in Jerusalem, present Jesus to the Lord, and two older servants of, of the Lord, Simeon and Anna, will extend blessings upon this child. Notice especially Simeon. There was a man in, the, in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him, notice, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel." The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And listen, and a sword, Mary, will pierce your own soul too. I don't know all of the emotions that Mary would have felt as Jesus grew up, but can you imagine being the mother of the Son of God? Think of all of the emotions, the mountain peaks. You have a newborn son, fulfillment of the promise of God made through the angel. The language in Luke that Simeon would not experience death until he sees the Lord's Messiah. And lo and behold, he's holding this baby in his arms. It cannot get any better than this. And yet in the very next breath, Simeon saying to Mary that this child of yours is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many. And by the way, Mary, a sword will pierce your soul. Don't you know that that phrase stayed with Mary from that time forward? And I suspect that every mother who has ever experienced any grief or pain or heartache related to a child... I suspect that any mother in some respects can identify with that moment Mary experienced. It's in the same chapter, Luke chapter 2, where we read that Joseph and Mary and Jesus go to Jerusalem for the Passover when he's 12 years of age. On their way home, traveling no doubt with a larger family group, they discover he's not with them. And so three days later, finally, they discover him in the temple courts talking with the teachers of the law. Moms, have you ever experienced losing a child? maybe in the grocery store, maybe at the mall, then you can understand the words that Mary speaks when they find Jesus. Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Jesus said, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Words, the text says that Joseph and Mary did not understand at that moment. But the text does say that Jesus went down to Nazareth with them was obedient to them, and his mother treasured all of these things in her heart, just like a mom. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now, from that point forward, there will be moments when Jesus is identified as the son of the carpenter, but really from that point forward, we don't see Joseph 
in the picture. And so we're left to wonder, did Joseph die at some point along the way? Was Mary a single mom at some point along the way? I rather suspect that she was. And so we watch the journey unfold. Jesus begins his public ministry at about age 30. And there is that moment early in his ministry in the Gospel of John. And again, I want you to, to, to reflect upon the emotions of Mary and the dynamics that exist between mother and son. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. And Jesus says, so, woman, why involve me? My hour has not yet come. And it's as if Mary just completely ignores what Jesus says. She turns to the servants and says, you do whatever he tells you to do. And then this moment, also early in the ministry of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. He's crazy. Now, I don't know whether that was more true of the brothers of Jesus who do not fully understand anything until after the resurrection, but Mary's part of that journey. And so, Parents, moms, dads, have you ever looked at your kids and said, they're crazy? They're crazy. Well, the story continues. Jesus' mother and brothers arrived, standing outside. They sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. And then he looked at those who were seated in the circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers, whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Again, I want you to imagine the emotions Mary had. The emotions she was feeling in those early days of the ministry of Jesus. On one hand, pride and excitement. On the other hand, fear and anxiety and concern. Well, fast forward all the way through his ministry to the cross. And John's gospel tells us near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Again, can you imagine all of the emotions, the words that Simeon spoke in the temple courts when Jesus was an infant have now come full circle. Your heart will be pierced, Mary as Jesus steps into ministry and ultimately heads to a cross. And yet, just as I hope we've reminded ourselves through this whole series, that moment is not the end of the story. There's still a rest of the story to tell. And Mary, I'm confident, recognized, even in the midst of all of the emotions she faced, Mary recognized that God had walked with her every step of the journey. And she is committed to being a faithful disciple of the Lord no matter what. Ultimately, this son of hers, the Messiah, who died for the sins of the world and who was raised to life. And so I love the fact that the last reference we have to Mary in Scripture comes in Acts chapter 1. Jesus has ascended back into heaven. He's told the apostles to go back to Jerusalem and wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. The text tells us they do, and at verse 14, they all join together in prayer 
along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. She is right there as we anticipate Pentecost, as we anticipate the beginning of the church. All of the emotions that Mary experienced as a wife, as a mother, but with every moment in her life to know that there is another chapter, to know that God is walking with her. And I pray we grab hold of that not only as we hear the stories of Scripture, but as we're permitted to hear stories of folks in this church family. And so today, I've invited Josh and Becky Coolney to join me. If you guys will come ahead and join me on the stage. You heard just a teaser related to Becky's story. Josh and Becky have been married for seven years. They have been in Lubbock for five years. We're so grateful they're a part of our church family. They have two sons, Grayer, who's 11, and Maddox, who is three. And because your story has several chapters before you had any contact with this guy, uh, I'm going to let you begin. So share with us some of those early pieces of your story, if you will. Okay. Uh, I met my first husband, Trey, in college, and uh, we got married pretty young and um, had ups and downs, but we're overall on a really great trajectory. And uh, when we had been married for uh, 12 years, we had our first son, Grayer, and um, things were going great. Grayer was healthy and good. I had a, a job that I loved. Uh, Trey had just changed jobs and um, we'd bought a new house. And then when Grayer was four months old, uh, Trey was killed in a car accident with another soldier, mm. which was the first real valley of, of my life. It just affected everything, changed everything. So at the time he was killed in that accident. Y'all were living in Colorado. You are from Alamogordo, New Mexico, yes. originally. Uh, all of you New Mexico folks. Uh, and so, again, uh, some bumps in the road, but life going well. Yeah. Uh, married on a great traje trajectory, mm -hmm. uh, four-month-old son, and then the knock on the door that says, uh, your life is getting ready to change. Yeah. Uh, and so you made the decision to move back to Alamogordo to be close to family. I did, yeah. yes. And that's where Josh was. He was the youth minister at um, the church where I had grown up and my family still attends. And um, we really didn't, I don't know, I don't think we liked each other at first. <laughs> I love how she just speaks for the both of us. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think when, when Becky first moved back, um, we... She had, a, she had a guard up, and I think, you know, the more that I was kind of around her, the more that she started to take that guard down, and it was just a little by little, um, you know, there was different things going on in each one of our lives, but yet, when we were around each other more and more, it was kind of like, oh, wait, there's, there's something here. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of funny, funny little side story that I just thought about. Um, we talk about how God, you know, uses our stories, and sometimes our stories inter inter intertwine. Um, there was a picture that we found probably about like five years ago um, of, it was a youth rally in Alamogordo, and 
her previous husband Trey and her and her mom and sister and brother were all in a picture. Well, there was one kid behind them, like, and this was when I was in high school, and so I was I on a... told everybody I'm older than you. What? She's a couple years older than me. <laughs> Anyways, um, so I am, I am in this picture with their family, and, like, we saw that one day, and we we're like, holy moly, like, that's, like, crazy that that, that even happened. Like, it's a coincidence, but not. Because it's a God thing. Yeah. And you, when, when we were talking the other day, Becky, you kept using the word surprise, uh, which can be both a positive and a negative word. And so obviously the incredible heartache and surprise that comes in losing a husband, where do I go from here? You move back home, and yet the incredible joy and surprise that God brings to the two of you as you get acquainted, as you begin dating, and, uh, and as you marry. Uh, and it's been a smooth ride the whole way, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so talk about that a little bit. Uh, well, you go yeah. ahead and talk. So we, as I mentioned the previous service, I, I really crave stability and consistency. And Josh had been at that church for almost 10 years when we got married. He was very well established in the community. We weren't going anywhere. This was, you know, it was for sure. And not very long after we got married, uh, the church that he was working at uh, decided that they couldn't afford to keep two ministers. And so he was the one that had to go. And so then we were scrambling for a job and thinking about moving and all the things that I do not enjoy. And so, uh, yeah, it, but it brought us to Lubbock, which then had some more bumps. Yes, and those bumps were even, you know, Super fun. Um, so the job that I came here for ended up losing and going, well, what now? Um, in the process, we had actually been, um, well, I had adopted Grayer in the meantime before we moved. Um, and then, so we kind of were on this adoption kind of train. And uh, the Dawsons, they put their foot in and we started fostering. Um, but our first foster... Um, I guess, girl that we got was the day, like, we got her, like, the day or two after I lost my job, and it was like, oh, good, God, this is awesome. Like, what, what now? Um, yeah. Yeah, so you can tell about that. So talk, talk about the fostering journey leading to the little one that's now a part of your family. Yeah, so we had, um, Lindy was our first, and we had her for just over two months, and uh, she very unexpectedly was removed from our home and placed with a family who had adopted her older siblings, which is beautiful and exactly what needed to happen for her, but was heartbreaking and so unexpected for us. And uh, we, sorry, we, um, when they came to get her, we all walked outside and uh, put her in the car and we're telling her we love her and waving, and um, they drove away, and we're, all three of us are just standing there bawling. And in my mind, I said, we are never doing this again. I, I will not do this to my family, to my child. I am not doing this again. And by the time we had walked just that few little ways back up into our house, Grayer turned to me and said, we're doing this again, right? Like, his little heart is just so precious. And so I still was pretty adamant that we were not, but two weeks later, 
we had a phone call and Maddox came to us from the hospital and two days old two days old so mm. tiny so precious and um, it, it was definitely definitely up and down so many emotions so many um, it, it's a process where you, you just have absolutely no control and you really have to give that over and trust that that God loves that little baby and even more than you do and so and yeah, so then we adopted him two years ago. Mm -hmm. He was just over a year when we were able to adopt him. So. Yeah. Not, not that you were ever completely in control, but I love the fact that part of your journey is so everything is kind of stable and secure, and then the journey suddenly has all of these bumps in the road. And yet through it all, uh, Looking back, not that you didn't believe it then, but obviously God was present. God was at work. So anything you want to say about that? What have you learned about God through this process? Uh, I think the biggest thing I learned is that it's, he's not based on my emotions. I can be angry and disappointed and doubtful and all of the above. And that, that doesn't change how close he is to me. You know, he doesn't step back whenever I'm having those, those feelings. Um, and that I really have to, I have to base my faith on knowledge first and not my emotions, because if I let myself go by my emotions, then yeah. it's not true. Exactly. And as I, as I told Josh and Becky, when we were visiting earlier this week, and I said the same thing in the early assembly, so many chapters that are a part of their lives, but with every one of those chapters to recognize there is still another chapter to be, to be told. And I'll say again what I did in the early assembly. You are at such an incredible place right now, and you are such a blessing to this church family. But God's not through with your story yet. And I cannot wait to watch what God will continue to do in and through the two of you and these two guys who are part of, of your family. Let's thank uh, Josh and Becky for sharing with us. And and I likewise want to want to pray over them uh, this morning. Uh, God, again, we are reminded as we listen to Josh and Becky tell their story, we are reminded that there are so many chapters, so many moments in all of our stories. And God, I pray in the mountaintop moments that we're not so naive as to believe that there can never be valleys. And I pray in the valleys that we do not lose sight of your presence even then, that there is always a rest of the story. And so thank you for what you have done and are doing in their lives, and we place them into your hands as they look to their future as well. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand as we sing our praises to God. <clears throat>